Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> How the devil are you? Oh, hello. Yes, it's Thursday. I, I, I know it was Thursday last week and we weren't here, but we're back this week. And uh, it's got off to a busy old week, to be honest, because um, I now have the time to back up and get loads of episodes recorded, which is what I've been doing. Um, sadly, without my partner in crime, producer Griff, um because we've just, he's been busy doing something else, which is a real shame. But I did sit down in person. Um, I went around to somebody's house. I can't say who it is yet because we're just finalising that episode and getting it all nice and clean and ready for you in a few weeks' time. Um, but this week kicked off in a rather lovely way because I sat down with the wonderful Sean Evans. Now, um, I've known Sean for a few years. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen each other for a long time. Um, and he is quite a, a, a private man. Um, so for him to come on this podcast is uh, is a big deal for me. And plus, he's a really nice guy. And I just selfishly, I love spending some time with him. Um, and we talk about avenues of creativity and all sorts of stuff, photography, storytelling, um, a little bit about acting, a little bit about training. Um, but generally, you will get um, a sense of who Sean is and he's a lovely, lovely, thoughtful Man, look, you're going to know Sean. You've seen him recently on the BBC in Vigil. If you haven't caught up, it's on iPlayer. Also in that show is family friend of the podcast. I can say that, Martin Compton, uh, past guest and lovely, lovely fella, Connor Swindles. Um, and it's uh, that's produced by our good friends uh, at World Productions. Um, also, Sean is at the theatre in London at the National in a play called Manor, which runs until, I believe, New Year's Day. So if you're in London, you want to go to the theatre, he's there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll just get down to it. I met up with Sean, sadly, over the computer. Um, but uh, it's a lovely conversation, and I'm so pleased to hear for it. Let's get down to it. This is the Two Shot Podcast with the wonderful Mr. Sean Evans. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. It seems I'm recording, Sean Evans. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, mate. Very good. Lovely to see you, pal. I haven't seen you in ages. I know. I wanted to uh, swing by and come and see you the other week after the press night of the play, but I had to dash off because I had to get back to Brighton where I was... um, Working with your friend and mine, the lovely Russell Lewis. Oh, were you on Grace? Yes, yes. Oh, fantastic, just, man. We, How's it been going? Just wrapped? Yeah, just wrapped for Christmas. It's been great again. Yeah, it's out. And I know you find this as well. There's such lovely intensity, but a lot of freedom in telling a story in that 90 minutes, which is what you've been doing for years with Endeavour. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But before we get on to acting, Sean, which I want to talk yeah. about, obviously, <laughs> and I do want to talk about directing, but I want to talk about photography. So oh, okay, cool, man. Yeah. When, when did your love of photography sort of rear its head? Um, oh, you know what? It's When I was about 15, I started working in a photography shop um, while I was still up north. Um, but I'd always been interested in it, really, to be honest with you, black and white specifically. Um, and so I've always taken pictures and I have a little dark room where I developed them myself. And then what, what I love about it, it's sort of grown over the years because what I love about it is, I mean, you know what it's like if you're doing your work as an actor or if you're directing, you need so many, there's so many moving parts and you need so many permissions in order to do your work whereas with this I can go and take some photographs go back to the dark room make prints and then either give them as gifts or hang them or share them with people you know and by the end of the week you feel like you've done something you've done some of your work which doesn't depend upon anyone else you know so there's that aspect of it but I mean, I suppose I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I've been working with this, um, collaborating with this German photographer. And I suppose in a way it's all connected to storytelling, you know. Um, but to just wind it back a bit, when I was 25, I was shooting a film in Australia with a friend of mine, um, a director called Ringan Ledwidge, who introduced me to a photographer called Nan Golden. Um, which is all colour photography of 80s New York. And that blew my mind, really, because she had a very famous thing called The Ballad of Sexual Dependency, which is um, a slideshow of all of the people that she was associating with. And it was sort of a diary of her life. But she was she was able to make those sort of snapshots into works of art something about the whole thing which I just find incredibly appealing for me personally I think I tend towards black and white because I think you look more closely at black and white photography than you do at, um, at colour photography but but again it's all it's all storytelling you know it's all storytelling I mean it? It, it is interesting you said yeah. it because it is all storytelling it yeah. is because it's a bit like you know you know sometimes what we do if we're wherever we are in a big city or if we're in a strange city, an alien city, I always like to sit down like outside in a cafe or if I'm in Soho, and you just watch, and you, you're constantly sort of picturing, oh, what's going on with that couple? What's going on with that person? We're constantly looking for these stories and telling these stories, and it's just, it is the same with photography, because one of the, um, the first exhibitions that I went to when we were allowed to go, funnily enough, was in Liverpool, and it was at the Tate. Oh, it was the Don McCullum. Yeah, I mean, it was, and I I do adore his work, but I did, I had to leave towards the end because it just got a bit too much for me because his storytelling is so intense and, you know, it is black and white and it's it's harrowing, but the stories are all there. You can just see them, but once you drink in those in, there's only so much you can take, certainly with that photography, you know. So, I mean, what I thought was interesting about that was even... I'm a big fan of Don McCullen because he's mm. seen so many extraordinary, extraordinary things. But even if you look at the um, the post-war stuff of just the landscapes in Somerset, there's such a drama and 
like violence to them as well in a way, isn't he? And I think that, that that's so interesting because as an artist, he's expressing something inside of him, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Even by taking photographs of the world outside, it's in a way sort of expressing something which is in him or his to his own creative individuality and how he sees the world, which I find just endlessly fascinating, do you know what I mean, in terms oh. of images. And then if you take it back to sort of acting and directing and storytelling, you know, the things that we're attracted to, the stories that we want to keep telling um, or that we have a need to keep telling. I just think it's incredibly interesting, you know. But also you touched on it again back there that this was something that you have complete control over is photography. Whereas, as we all know, we're at the behest of somebody else opening the door and going, yes, Sean, uh, I'd like you to come and do this or I'd like to act in this or I'd like to direct this. This is you can get up you can take your kit and you've got a creative outlet. Is that tremendously important to you? Because you don't... Yeah, it's you, incredibly you, important. You, yeah, you, don't, sure. you don't strike me as a, a, an artist who just sort of sits around and waits for a job to come. You kind of get up and just... Life is short, man. Life is short, you know. And while we're, we have the energy and the vim to get shit done, you know, I think... I want to make sure that I'm making the absolute most of it. You know, I'm just not the kind of person who's going to sit around in coffee shops bitching about not getting jobs. You know, I've never been that way. <laughs> I think I want to make sure that I'm really contributing, you know, like to A, to my own life, but also to hopefully to the wider world as well, you know, and, and not selling myself short. So that you've hit the nail on the head, really, because whilst it began as an interest, I realised uh, photography I'm talking about it, I realized that actually it could become an you know an extension of your work and something about which you could take control it's it's interesting because I'm mentoring I got asked by uh, the drama school that I went to to mentor this um one of the young actors who's in his third year and I really thought about it you know I mean what can you what can you say some of them will work some of them won't um but I thought the best thing that I could say would be at the heart of it you're all artists, else you wouldn't be here. Now, that's the sort of trunk of it, but the branches I want, some of you will write, some of you will direct, some of you will act, those are the branches, but ultimately, if you see yourself as an artist, that's the gift that you have to give the world. Now, the world may not want you to act, you may not get agents, you may not get jobs, you may not get the jobs that you want, so you have to find a way for you to feel satisfied, creatively satisfied in the world that doesn't depend upon someone giving you the permission mm. to do your work. So I, I, and I sort of was thinking about that my, myself, you know, when I was in the first couple of years, getting really interesting jobs, and, but not getting the jobs perhaps that you wanted. And I'm thinking, this is going to make me really unhappy if this goes, you know, if I, if I don't find a way of being able to negotiate this. That's think, just me. No, but I think it's really, really sound advice because, um, because you know, everybody who trains or has um, uh, joy in this business, it might not be the right time. It's all, it is all about timing as well. And obviously we know it's about luck, but they need, there needs to be, you know, one needs to have a creative out, output at some point yeah. and it can be incredibly frustrating especially for 
the young graduates who have graduated over the past two years. I mean, oh, yeah. I, mean I mean, it's incredibly sad. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've spoken to certain students sort of up here in Manchester and um, a lad that I've been mentoring from Central and he's just, you know, he's just found it incredibly hard sometimes to pick himself up. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of what we have to do. Did you have times oh, so like that? Before you, before you go on, what about, what about you? Do you? I mean, how do you negotiate that yourself? Do you know that idea of being able to, of giving your power to someone else? Or free, I mean, it can be anything. It can be cooking. It can be woodwork. It can be, do you know what I mean? Making quilts, whatever. Making a family, actually, whatever, you know. But, but you personally, Father, how do you sort of negotiate that? Well, I um, started a podcast five years ago, Sean. So, <laughs> so I, 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 um, I thought I, you know, you know what a huge part of what we do as as actors, and the most important, one of the most important thing is to listen, right? Mm-hmm. And I started to hear so many interviews, certainly with my peers who were given like between seven and sort of 12 minutes on, on a on a chat show or a radio show and you've done these things yourself it's like you're just there to plug the job and you're hearing the same interviews again and again and I thought a lot of the time we don't want to do this because it's just the it's the end of the job that is like I was just doing some press on Friday and I was going oh well this is the end of Doctor Who because I'm doing my last sort of interview for it yeah. and that's the end of the job but wouldn't it be more interesting to kind of not talk about that with actors and talk about their life and their struggles and their sort of journey and give them anything up to, you know, like when I spoke to Lenny James, we did like three hours because we've just, instead of it being an interview, it's a conversation. So I just thought I need to learn a new skill. So your photography, you know, is my podcast. And I just thought, well, I can, I'm, I'm not waiting for anybody to send me a script or, or ring me up. I, was like, I can get up and I can speak to Sean Evans at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning and kickstart the week. And I know it's going to be great and it'll be a great yeah. conversation. So, yeah, it's, that's that's what I do. But, yeah, but also, you know. So not, it, yeah, Papa, if I'm not doing this, you know, and I've got hours, then I'm in the kitchen. I want to cook. Yeah. I want oh, to yeah, try and When I was in Cardiff, you invited me around for dinner because you said you're a bit of a cook. Huh? <laughs> well, it's just because I enjoy it, and it's always yeah. nice to feed people, you know, and get put a smile on the face. I think, or you know, hopefully, <laughs> and, yeah. not, and not food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> but Sean, talking about sort of, you know, that we find these creative outlets for us when we're not. Um, able to do what we want to do or it's not the right job and we've said no to something. Another thing that I think is really important that I sort of tell younger students, you know, you don't have to say yes to everything. Yeah, sometimes saying no is the only agency you have. Yeah, and what power it is. You may be worrying for a few days afterwards because whether you're doing a job for financial reasons or... Mm Which, by the way, is okay. I mean, we've all got to put bread on the table, you know. Uh, we've all been there, and you have to yeah. do it, of course, because you're still searching. And a very good friend of mine, a wise person friend of mine, uh, you know, she, she, I remember turning something down once, and she said to me, and I was in my 20s, she went, yeah, but Craig, work breeds work. And, I, und- and, I, and I do understand that to a point, but you're right about the power of, and the power of no. It's tremendously yeah. important. 
Well, I mean, it's all very interesting, isn't it? Because I think sometimes when I've really had my back against the wall as well in terms of finances or whatever, not that I, I mean, I have a very simple life. It's not extravagant at all by any means, but, and I've taken jobs that I perhaps wouldn't have had I been a bit more flush. They've always led on to something like incredible. So oftentimes you have to, take yourself out of the equation. I mean, the, the whole point, I suppose, you never know, right? I mean, you never know what something is going to lead to. And it's such a weird one. It's such a mad, or, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Or who you're going to meet. You sure. know, I, I've done jobs before. Where I've gone, oh, I'm, just, I'm not 100% failing this. But it was like, I'm at the end of it, I've gone, I'm so pleased I've done this because yeah. I've met this person or I've met multiple people who yeah. I've learned something off. You know, because yeah. that's a great thing, isn't it? You know, sure. constantly learning. Sure, um, sure. So when was it, did you have a sort of hunger for this at school or was life sort of taking you down a different path? Um, <clears throat> um, okay, so um, when I was growing up, my mum was a barmaid and my dad was a taxi driver. So it was very working class um upbringing in Liverpool and then I had the amazing good fortune of going to um, uh, I passed the test and went to this private school in Liverpool um, so I got a scholarship to go but there was no drama there um, I, there was the occasional school play um, but it was very academic so I was sort of thinking of going to university to do history and politics um, at the same time I joined the Everyman Youth Theatre in Liverpool right, which was like a once a week group um, and I knew that I was into it, that I felt alive in a way. So it was a creative outlet, but it was also, uh, it's just spoke to me in a way. I thought this is really special, though I didn't know anyone who, was, who did anything sort of in the creative world. You know, it wasn't, I had no experience of that. And so I suppose I had no expectations of it as well. Um, so then when I was 18, um, when I was 18, I applied to universities and then I applied to drama schools as well because someone in the school helped me to apply. And then I just thought, yeah, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. I'll just, I'll go to London and, and try as an actor. And in a way, it was an incredible thing that I knew no one who had, in my immediate circle, who had done that before because I just went with a completely clean slate. I didn't know what acting was or what the profession was like or... I just thought, oh, yeah, I'll just go and do that. You know, it was kind of, I, it was a decision that I took incredibly lightly, I suppose, you know. Um, thankfully, I didn't um, agonise over it. I was like, yeah, I'll just go and do that. <laughs> because why not? And what a great sense of freedom with going with no expectations. Total freedom. Yeah, total freedom. And when I went to drama school, there was a couple of lads in my year whose parents were actors. Um, and so they knew it. And I always thought, God, I feel so pleased that, I don't have any expectations or cynicism towards this profession. Not that those lads did, but they'd had an experience of it. But for me, it was completely fresh and incredibly exciting. And each day was new. And I I felt, you know, surrounded by like-minded people and moving to London. The whole experience was just awesome. It really was. Hmm. I mean, it, it, it is kind of terrifying when you're young and you meet those people who, not to say that they um, uh, had sort of cynicism passed on to their, from their parents because they were actors, but they had knowledge. 
So they, they, they know how difficult it is. They know that there's no rhyme or reason to it and that there's, there will be periods of unemployment and that can bring its own baggage. Do you know what I mean? So I, whereas to be, to come in completely as a clean slate and be devoid of that was a real, a real blessing, you know, to just see the work as, as the work. Were you ever taught at drama school how to navigate um, the darker days or the times when you're no, not? No, I mean, you're not really. You're not. That's why I thought it was important to say that to, the, to, you know, to this youngster when I was mentoring him because there will be that. And also, how to do your tax. Do you know what I mean? How to do, like, to live. Just, yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds wild, but, like, I had to learn the hard way, you know, and um, filling in the VAT and all that nonsense yeah. you know what I mean which is but, incredibly important and budgeting all these things that you don't I knew not enough but then I suppose you know what that being said your 20s are supposed to be about being hedonistic and being wild <laughs> and making all those mistakes and so I'm kind of I'm quite yeah. glad that that was the case to be honest yeah of course but it's it's times like that and I think I think now moving forward um you know places of study certainly for the art should focus on dealing with darker times considering the the darkness that everybody's been through over the past sort of you know couple of years yeah. and how and how to deal with with you know any sort of mental health struggles and the fact that people should be able to talk about it especially with these you know certain not being patronizing but certain sort of young minds who are being molded and they're thrown all this knowledge that they're trying to put in their metaphorical backpack to pull out yeah. at certain times over the years but maybe they will. Maybe they will. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because I think, I mean, I, I feel like there's been a shift since in the past, in the 20 years that I've been working, because I feel like when you, back then it was way more, there wasn't a conversation about um, mental health. And I'm, it's terrific that there is now. Um, whereas I feel like 20 years ago, it, it, it just demanded tenacity, you know, and I don't know, I, I can't, it's, I don't know, I haven't fully thought about this. No, I think you're right, you know. What do you mean? Well, I do, because, you know, years and years ago, we are always told to, you know, dig deep, soldier on. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not being lazy, but I'm just, it's like, it's just a bit of a struggle and I'm a bit lost and I don't know what to do. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah, I'm going to jump in any bloody move. Yeah, you, difficult you, to soldier on. You know, fucking keep your head down and carry on. And yeah. be, certainly, you know, being from the north, yeah, I was just going to say, I wonder if that's a northern thing as well. But listen, tell me about your uh, tell me about your experience, like when what took you into being an actor? What was your upbringing like? How does is it similar to mine? Or well, I love you. I love the deflection back to me, Sean. And usually, I say no, that's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and, I'm, and I've said this before. Well, I started um, at school. Really, I was very lucky. Um, my deputy headmaster, who was uh, a, a not so secret. Um, theatre lover um, wrote uh, a play and he said right okay if you start to knuckle down a bit more in class then uh, I want you to come and do this play and come and do the lead in this play it was a very funny historic time travelling play way ahead of its time Sean it was very funny and obviously you know you start getting laughs at school from your peers yeah. and it's and it's addictive and you want to ride it and you want to learn. So I just wanted to learn more, I suppose, yeah. um, and not be uh, suppressed by the school system, even though I had an outlet of drama. And it was just sort of, uh, 
you know, a conveyor belt there. I started to work out, well, who did I look up to? Well, John Sim was always on my telly and I knew that he was from Lancashire. And David yeah. Thewlis had been working with Mike Lee and he was from Lancashire. And they all went to this amazing um, place that sadly no longer at the, the campus that it was called Blackburn File College. So you go there after school mm-hmm. and then that's your sort of a bit of a foundation course before you go, if you go, which you did at that time, go straight, you wanted to go straight to London Drama School. So that was kind of my route. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, obviously, with street casting, it's all, I didn't even know what street casting was, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. It was like, now they're plucking incredible talent, like, you know, Thomas Turgoose and a lot of that Nottingham scene. Um, yeah many didn't go to drama school because they've got great foundations in in the East Mids. Um, and I always say, you know, drama school isn't isn't the only route, especially now because yeah. it, it, there's so much competition and also financially, it's sometimes incredible talent can be found around the corner. For sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not... And also, by the way, it's no guarantee. Do you know what I mean? Just because you go to drama school doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to <clears throat> work and have a career. You know what I mean? And yeah. as you say, the price thing—I mean, it, it means it limits the people, that, the 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 people who are who are joining the workforce. Do you know what I mean? If they can't afford to go, then they're not. It's not right to say they don't have a place in this. No, I mean everybody needs. Everybody should. Um, have the right to train in the, the chosen field, but you yeah, know, sure. uh, uh, sometimes and there's been questions and essays written and articles and interviews about this over the, the certainly the last five years. Where I remember reading one at two o'clock in the morning, like before I started this podcast, and it was all about, it was all about, ah, uh, is it only going to be the elite and the uh, a certain member of class that are allowed to train at drama school? So it's, they're the ones that can afford it. So therefore, is it coming out the other end just the same mould off a conveyor belt of yeah. the, 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 the higher class of people? And I don't think so, you know. But as you say, as we both agreed, drama school isn't the only way. And as we've touched on, Jesus, there's no guarantee. So was it drummed into you at drama school that there was no guarantee? Or were you told... I remember, be, I remember being told on graduation, a few days before graduation, they uh, said, took me into an office and gave me a sort of 30 minute rundown of my three years. And they said, The thing about you, Craig, is uh, your character, your tall character. Uh, you probably won't work un- until your 40s. So just, <laughs> just, just bear that in mind. And I went, Oh, right. Okay. Thank, thanks very much. <laughs> uh, no, mine wasn't like I mean, I suppose to was, I was 18 when I went down and I was. Which was the perfect, um, which was the perfect age, really, because I think I was open enough to take in the things that I thought were useful, but I had enough um, vim to to park anything that I didn't think was useful. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think you can. Some folk can lose themselves, can't they, at, at that at drama school and that process? But I was like open enough to take the things that were useful and. I had enough sense of myself to park the stuff that I didn't find to be useful. Um, that, that's, that sounds quite mature for an 18-year-old. So I think I it's... I was, really full of myself. I was probably just full of myself. And <laughs> I, 
exactly what it was. <laughs> right. Jesus, confidence goes a long way, Sean. <laughs> and how was it for you um, leaving the safety of drama school? Because it is a safe place. You know, it's a place where we mm. are encouraged to fail. Mm. Um, I, I was very lucky, to be honest with you, mate. I was really lucky. Um, I, I got a job and left early. Um, I had the good fortune of getting an agent and um, I got offered two jobs in the space of a week or so. And so I left um, and started working on a TV show which never came out, I think. Um, so in within that four months or five months, um, I learned all of the stuff that I hadn't been taught at drama school about, you know, hitting your mark, um, working for the working with the camera, um, because of course it's like a classical training, isn't it? At drama school, exactly. Um, and it's yeah. different now. It's different now. But back then there was no, there was very little like TV or camera stuff, which seems sort of, but they've remedied that now. So I, so then I was lucky, really. I um, did that job, and then that finished, and then I got offered something else right afterwards. So for the first year, I was busy right for the whole year, um, which was incredible, really. You know, and very, very fortunate. Um, and and rare, that, I mean, that is rare, rare yeah. isn't it, to walk yeah. out. Yeah, for sure, man. So I felt really lucky about that, you know. But but to be honest, at the same time, I was I was ready for it too. I didn't. Um, I mean, my feeling was, yeah, you're right. You are encouraged to fail, but I found it very difficult to see it in that way. Um, I think because I was hungry, you know, I was just incredibly hungry to get out and start working and to and to meet new people and to fi- try and find and build my place in it. You know what I mean? I was kind of, I was young and I'm ambitious. And and also it's, te- it's terrifying. doesn't matter if it's drummed into you that this is the place. It's like in a rehearsal room. You always tell, look, this is great. Let's fail now before we're in front of an audience. This is the place. But it's like, no one wants to fall flat on the face in front of their peers at drama school. It's, yeah. it's, it's so much easier said than done. Yeah, for sure. For sure, um, it's interesting, isn't it? But then I think the more you do, the more I don't think so interesting, isn't it? That the idea of failing and whatnot and success and what what it, you know? Yeah, I don't even know what success. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I was like, the work itself is its own reward, right? I mean, and I know that's kind of again like quite a trite thing to say, but it's the absolute truth. You know, you're, it's funny because you're doing your work for someone else, obviously for the audience and whatnot, but ultimately you have to be pleased with the work that you're doing and be grateful for the work, you know. I don't, I'm just trying to get my head around it now. The more, the more I think, the more I do and the more I think about it, the work itself does have to be its own reward, I think. Yeah, know? I sometimes think so. Enumerated and sometimes... You get praise and sometimes you don't. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes works lead on to something else. But ultimately, you have to put your head on the pillow of a night and be, today I did a good job. Today I did my work to the best of my ability. Whether it's acting or directing the photography, writing, whatever. You know, today I was, today I contributed, you know. And I think the more that I can spend days doing that, then the better, more fulfilled my life is, you know. Are you ever... Talking of resting your head on the pillow at night and after you've been filming as an actor or a director, 
are you one of those that can you can switch your head off or are you constantly going oh right well are you replaying going like, i could have we could have done that a bit better i, I think i could have shifted that or sure i'm not really to be honest mate i kind of think i'm not really i mean for me personally i try and prepare as much as absolute possible um for the acting work Mm. and likewise for directing to have as many things prepared as possible and then i just try and go and clear my mind and be in the moment and allow allow your instinct and things to take over come what may right and i think if i've done that then it is what it is then i can't do any more it's it's in somebody it's in somebody it's else's, in hands. else's hands yeah it's in exactly. someone else's hands and then i can sleep whereas if i've come in and i've tried to desperately fucking control everything then when things haven't gone the way that you intend for them to go, then that's when I'm like losing sleep. But like, who's to say that my intention of the way things go on is the way things should go anyway, right? Do you know what exactly. I mean? I think like, I'll do my work as much as I can and then just give it to something else. I don't know what the thing is that you're giving it to. To the moment, to the team, to the people, to the story itself, I guess, right? You're allowing that to take over and surely that is the whole, the whole point. You don't want to get in front of an audience or get on set and deliver the performance that you've laboriously prepared. Do you want to prepare the ground so that you can get on and do your work and then allow it the work, you know, to, to do it to do itself? I'm sorry, that sounds really esoteric and I don't no, mean no, no. to no, you know I mean? no, it doesn't, because by saying that you prepare, 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 so you've got the foundations to be free and yeah. to play about. And ultimately to listen. And to be open and to listen, yeah, exactly. And then to give what, what everyone else has given you and what the environment has given you as well. And even, you know, perhaps what the audience are giving you too, what they, the story, how they want the story to be told tonight if you're on stage, for example, you know. So all of these things, are, that's what makes it such a rich and worthwhile and extraordinarily exciting life, the, 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 the enormous variety of it. Is I find so, like fucking thrilling. Do you know what I mean? I do. I find it properly thrilling. Um, and then the job will be done in three months, and then you'll go on and do something else with a completely different group of people, a different type of story, and you will have to use different tools within yourself in order to tell that story. So I mean, I'm like a very happy customer. <laughs> 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 I feel very lucky. You know, long may continue. <laughs> You've said that you're you're good at switching off at the end of the day or at the end of the job and leaving it to the next group of people who who it's you know it's the editor's job to cut that things together and the director's yeah. job to choose that cut and that take and that size. How are you with auditions? Are you good at leaving an audition? And yeah, yeah. I am actually. Honest. I think yeah. I mean, again. Everything's a lesson, right? When I was in my early 20s, there was a job that I really, really wanted. Um, and this happens to everyone, right? You get down for the last two and then it doesn't go your way. Yeah. I mean, if I'm really honest about it, I suppose I had things got, I was just breaking up with a girl at the time. So I suppose I was putting too much upon trying to get this job, right? It didn't go my way and I was devastated. Uh, I mean, not devastated. I was just gutted that I didn't get the job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then I began to think about that. And 
Um, it was based on someone's life. And so I began to research into this person's life and began to trying to think why I really wanted that quite so much. What about that story I found so appealing? Um, and why, in a way, I had allowed myself to get so, have so much desire and want for that and to be so gutted when it doesn't go your way, when actually now that I have been as, part, as a director, part of the casting process, there are so many things which aren't, it's, it's very rarely is to do with how brilliant or not brilliant you are, how right you are for the part. There's so many things surrounding that. However, I didn't know that then. But what I did think was, my takeaway from it was, okay, from here on in, when I go for an audition for something, I'm going to have prepared myself so much in the days and weeks leading up to it that I've already played the part in my head. So I've already got everything I need out of this from a creative point of view. I hope that when I go in for the audition or for the meeting, that the rest of the team will want us to continue this work. And I'd love to to work with them. But if it doesn't go my way, I've already played the part in my mind. I can come in, do the audition, spend that 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, chatting about it and, and playing a few scenes. And then, okay, my work is done now. I can go on. Um, and if it, if, if it continues, then brilliant. And if not, sounds, there'll be something else next week. So I can't bear the idea of giving someone the, your power. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and needing permission from someone to do your work. So I just always try and wrestle it back. And to be honest, then in terms of directing and whatnot too, I, I, I often think, well, frequently think, you know, it's about empowering the actor to to take their space to do their work, you know, and not be boxing people in. Um, so that's oh, that's always my feeling with all of those things, you know, because I know very rarely is it to do with you getting a job and not getting a job. Very rarely is it to do with, as we said, you know, it's it's to do with so many yeah. things that yeah. that are beyond your control. Um, and I just think it's 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 it, you're on the way for a hide, and I think if you know if you um, Living that way, you know, oh. living in a way where you're there's no sense or rhyme or reason. You have to make your own sense in within this chaotic, bonkers little world. That's for me. I know, I know. But I, th- well, I think it's a very, very healthy approach to think like that. To go, I've started this. I'd l- if we want to continue this journey together, yeah. I'd love it. If we don't, well, I've kind of done it and and i'll be a bit sad i'm usually i'm i think for me i've as with many many things things have improved over time and age and and i and experience and now i'm quite good at not necessarily throwing it away because that sounds dismissive but just putting it to one side Mm -hmm. and, and letting it blow away of its own accord and and if like you, if there's something that I, I want to, and I'm taking your turn of phrase to continue, um, I, I might be a bit sad and a bit cranky for 24, 48 hours. Yeah. But then you know, I blow it away and let it go. And yeah, you know, I'm still in my gym clothes now. Go to the gym and just sort of <laughs> do something and take my mind completely off it. Yeah, it's important in the mood. 
to yeah. awards because I mean they're coming they're coming all the time out do meetings for stuff and jobs that you never <laughs> the amount of jobs that you get versus the amount that you go for it's like you know I mean? it's ridiculous and sometimes overwhelming at first yeah but Sean when did you have the thought of directing because many actors um sort of you know tinker with writing and very few are able to step up and and, and do both but that's something that you've been able to do over the, the past few years so how did it first yeah. come back because i know you started with casualty didn't you yeah so i was very lucky really mate very look well i mean i'm not going to pretend that i was one of these kids running around with a super eight camera that just wasn't me you know but i but i i was always interested in having an overview, attempting at least to have an overview and not getting lost in my own small world of what my character would do or not do, you know? And I think it's themes within stories which are interesting to me. Um, the ideas that you're trying to get across, um, why stories are important, why we need them and why we keep telling them. You know, these things are, I've always to be honest, been interested in that. And like I say, I was interested in photography and uh, making a visual story um, before I was acting as well. So I suppose it's always been there. Yeah. Then um, when I had the good fortune of Endeavour coming my way, I thought, well, even though I only thought it was, initially I thought it was just going to be a one-off. Um, and then when they came back to do to do the first series, I thought, okay, well, I'll try and learn as much as I humanly can from this and um, and grow and use it as a school, you know, use it as a school. And, um, and so I thought it was such a rare opportunity to be in most scenes to shoot three or four 90-minute uh, films, essentially films for TV, back-to-back, and to be on hand with really great directors all day, I would be a mug not to make the most of this. So I had my little notebook with me at all times. And at each point, I would side look to the director and be like, well, this is interesting. Why are you doing that? Or, well, I'd watch them, I suppose. Watch how they related to the crew and how they related to the cast and how they told the story. And then if they, the differences that they all had, I would be curious about why he's doing it, why he's, how he's telling it in this way or how she is telling it in that way. Um, so I was always taking notes and observing. Um, so I did want to direct then. Um, and then I began to be a producer on the show as well. Um, and I wanted to direct, but I didn't want to, I wanted to learn me trade, to be honest. I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to get the opportunity and not know what I was doing, yeah. you know, and then therefore balls it up. Mm. And also I, I, I wanted it as a separate avenue for my life as well, you know what I mean? So that I could continue my work and continue to tell stories that don't depend upon 
this white male being in them. Do you know what I mean? That I yeah. could actually tell stories that are beyond my 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 um, experience and what I what I could tell it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So basically, I got in touch with them. Um, Actually, funny, I forgot in touch with like to be, but they weren't really interested in, in, in helping me at the beginning. So I got in touch with someone at the BBC, um, and I just hustled, 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 and spoke to a series producer called Erica, who was producing Casualty. They had a mentoring scheme. Sorry, this is probably very tedious, but I'll just keep it short. No, no, um, it's brilliant. They had a mentoring scheme, uh, which means that you shadow one of the directors. I only had a small amount of time. So I said, look... If you give me an opportunity, I'll do what I can to to, to, to nail it. Um, she did a bit of due diligence. They had one episode of Casualty, which they didn't have a director for, which fitted into the time I had off. So I said, if you give me the opportunity, I'll try my best to um, to nail it. And she did a bit of due diligence, called around, heard that my heart was in the right place and that I'm, I work hard, gave me the chance. So I went to, um, went to Cardiff and directed um, an episode, read all of the books that I could, referred back to all of my little notebooks um, and went and I so enjoyed it um, I so enjoyed it um, in a very different way from acting um, it's equally sort of thrilling um, but in a very different way you use a very different part of your your yourself which I found just so appealing you know um, and then I went back and did an acting job came then guys from Casualty asked me to come back and do twice as much this time so I went and did that and then the next year I started to um, started to um, direct Endeavour then and that in itself was a huge challenge because well it just demands that you need to know exactly what you want before you go into it because you because time is short, obviously, because I'm in the scenes as well, you know, so you have to have a good sense of what's going to, what, 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 what I want in the frame and how things are going to be shot and dependent entirely upon the team as well. So in a, in a way, it, it has become an incredible school, you know, how you can be as efficient as possible yeah. and interesting as an actor, but likewise as a director as well, you know, to like not be fannying around, but to have made decisions and prepared the ground before you start you know um so it's been yeah it's been it's been amazing and it's something that i i mean they're both things that i really want to continue because they're, they're either side of the same coin do you know what i mean um again it's another creative outlet for you yeah for huh? sure yeah i mean you sure. know and it's one thing um going into direct episodes of something that as an actor you have distance from but yeah. to go and direct something that you yourself are the lead in the show, I mean, how are you switching your head off from from going getting into character to getting behind the camera? Or it, do you know what, mate? It was it was it was incredible to be honest with you in terms of what it taught me about storytelling, um, for camera at least, and the economy of a gesture. You know, the economy of a gesture and a shot. What the shot is about. What what it, what it, what is actually required in order to tell the story, both from being within the scene, but also externally from outside the scene as well, and how much energy and time can be wasted worrying about the wrong things? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
so it was it's it was incredibly illuminating in in, in that regard. Um, and is it, if it is it driving the story forward? I'm always and no, is it I'm driving the story forward? Yeah, or are we just fanning around? Do you know you what know, I mean? Or might decorate? And ultimately, is this going to go when I get to the edit anyway? Do you know, like, what do we need to tell this story? And I, it's 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 efficiency and and, and cutting away and not cutting away, but drilling down, really drilling down into what a scene is about and how to tell it in the most interesting and yet economical way. But back to what you actually asked me, I think um, what I've realised is that I am quite just kamikaze about things that I don't really, I mean, I suppose I do have a process, but I, if there's a challenge, then I just fucking hail myself at it bodily. Um, yeah. Sean, we've Definitely. talked. We've talked a lot about um, television, screen, and training, yeah. and control, and the fact that you're very good at going. Well, I've done my job. It's passing it on to somebody else now. Certainly with the television and the film, but with theatre, yeah, you get a chance every night. You've done your four or five, however weeks in the rehearsal room, yeah. and we've all fallen on our asses, and now it's time when the audience are here. But if it doesn't go well on a Monday for any reason, that's all right. Because I've got another chance to try something new. But what does it mean it doesn't go well? I mean, I'm thinking about this a lot lately because I, I, I think this is really interesting. I've not directed theatre. No. I've only acted in it. And it's, and so it's a completely different beast. But my, my feeling is now that that process, the acting process and the, and the performance has to take centre stage, do you know what I mean? That has yeah. to be like, that has to be, again, preparing the ground for things. You have to prepare the ground for that from the get-go. And my attitude towards that is like, you know, the work begins on the first day of rehearsal and it will end on the final performance. And then within those three months or however long, it will evolve. Some things will be better than others. Yeah. Um, but you have to find a way to be as inspired um, from the first day of rehearsal right through to the final performance. That's alongside your actors and alongside what the director is giving you and alongside both the pros and the shortcomings of the play and the audience that night. It's such a moving, there's so many moving parts. It's, it's such an incredible thing, but you have to be prepared to do your work and have a take on this from the get-go, which will sustain you to the end. That's why when people talk about like press nights and opening nights, I'm like, Jesus, every night's first night, isn't it, for the audience down there that night? Exactly. And also, you know, you're working with your peers, people who you've probably not even met before on the first day of rehearsal, and you want to make sure that you're bringing something to the table then and doing what you can to like inspire and astonish and dazzle your, and make something interesting happen within the space do you know what I mean I, and I so it's incredibly rich it just feels rich in a very different way from camera stuff is because it's it's a bit more spit and sawdust and it's it's time constraints are no longer there in the same way that they are as you're doing camera stuff and you're trying to I suppose disturb the air on a daily basis and what does that mean do you know what I'm saying what does that like how do you do that I don't, do I, I don't know. I don't know because you're tapping into something different. There's the stamina that's needed that muscular 
uh, mm-hmm. you're not using that that muscle when you you have an intense three page scene got this yeah. long drawn out thing and it's not like you're switching off and you're I remember people going no but you're only on, you're only working for two hours a night no no well no but the build up is intense because yeah. you're constantly thinking about it and with regards to what you said about um you know things not being right or forget what I forget what I I forget what I actually said because I've obviously talked too much on but sometimes I remember and the very little stage work I've done over the years some nights I've gone no, I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not present, and I'm constantly trying to get there throughout it. So therefore, that was my Monday. So I have to put that to bed now, and I've got to learn from why I feel personally things didn't go well that night to change. But it's like you said, from the first preview, or even you know, in front of an audience, or even in the rehearsal room, to the end, it's, it's a constant journey. and there's, there's ups and downs, and you're building, building, building. So it doesn't really end. Yeah. I also think, yeah, I mean, it doesn't. And I think, I mean, look, I don't know. I'm still learning all, all this. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, this of is my understanding of it right now. Um, it, it's, it's wild, isn't it? I mean, it, it, I do actually think it's wild because sometimes I think I know a lot and then sometimes I think I know nothing. Um, well, constantly. And in a way, that's good. I'm kind of, I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? I'm cool with that. But I think... But, but what I do, well, okay, here's what I actually think. You know, there's something, how are you opening yourself up to the work and how are you opening yourself up to the audience and not trying to control and, and allowing, I mean, what is theatre, right? It's like the, it's the seeing place, right? You know, and if the sort of ancient religiosity of the Greeks and why people went to the theatre and the ritual and the there's a sort of I don't want to say spiritual element because I that's not right but there's something otherworldly about it I think and you I try to encourage myself to open myself to that do you know what I mean so I'm not being really fucking suburban and boring but actually opening yourself to a long tradition of Theatre. Am I just talking shit now? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, you're not talking shit. It's really, I really interesting. I, I do kind of think like there's something, there has to be something epic about it. You know what I mean? No one wants to come and see something tedious, do they? You've got it. It's got to be epic and huge. Otherwise, what's the point? And how do you access that? the things that are beyond my tiny little self, my tiny little Sean Bourne, blah, 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 to, to be more, be bigger, something that's beyond you. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. <laughs> Sean, Sean Evans, you're anything but suburban and boring. Um, <laughs> this has been a beautiful conversation, and thank you so much for giving me your, your Monday morning. morning I'm delighted friend. we finally managed to sort it out. Thank you so much for coming thank on. You're you an absolute friend. treat. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? Lovely, lovely man, Sean. Um, I can't wait to spend some uh, some proper time with him when we can. I really hope you like that. And as I said um, in the intro, 
Sean doesn't do a lot of these, so it was a real coup to get him on, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a measure of the man um, that you see. Yeah, you know, obviously he's... Uh, obviously? Oh, I don't know where I'm from. Obviously, um, he's uh, he plays uh, the young uh, Endeavour Morse in Endeavour on ITV, which I believe is coming back. Um, yeah, and he's wonderful. So... Thank you so much for downloading and joining us. Um, what's coming up? All sorts. All sorts of people. And if you follow us on uh, Twitter, uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook at Two Shot Pod. You may have heard yesterday that the wonderful chef uh, and outspoken man, Mr. Gary Usher, is going to grace us with his presence once more because it's been we worked out yesterday it's been two years since that episode where i cooked for him because i remember uh because it was we were just winding down for christmas two years ago so i'm gonna try and see if he's got time to uh to meet up i can go around his restaurant or he can pop around to mine because it'd be great to do it in person before christmas but obviously being in the hospitality industry, this is uh, and should be uh, a very busy time for him. So we'll just see if we can make that before. If not, then uh, we'll definitely have some time um, in January. It's not too long away, is it? Crikey. Well, I hope you're all well and you've popped the Christmas tree up and you're getting to grips with the present buying and the people in town. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go now and uh, I'll definitely see you next week. I promise. Okay. Until then, thank you so, so much for joining us. And it's really, really nice to be back. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Short Podcast. You take care of yourself. I promise. I'll see you next week. All right. Okay. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.